Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. He is still a promise-keeping God. If He promised you something 40 years ago, then guess what? He's not done with you yet. If you are here today, it is a testimony that God is not done with you yet. Amen. You didn't just get here by accident. You didn't get here because you're so awesome that you just made it happen. God ordained for you to be in this service today. Amen. He made a way for you to be here today to experience His power and His touch. Amen. Are you ready for it today? Amen. 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 Would you welcome Brother Stevenson as he comes this morning? Amen. So glad to have him and his family here. Amen. God bless you. Can we clap our hands under the Lord all over the building? Oh, let's give God a high praise in the house today. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus, from the depths of our soul. We're going to magnify the Lord. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. Come on, just a moment longer. Let's fill this house with praise. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, bless the Lord. I wonder if God's been good to anybody in the house this morning. We always praise Him for what He has done. But I've learned to praise Him for what He hasn't done. Because if God answered every one of my prayers, I wouldn't be here today. But God loves me so much that He pray, He answers what He knows I need. Not everything that I want. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord. It doesn't matter how you came today, but it does matter how you leave today. What's the most important thing is your relationship with God. That's the most important. I wonder by a show of hands, has anybody in the building, were you born full of the Holy Ghost? Good. Look, touch your neighbor and say, welcome to the club. That means we all started the same way. And some may have received the Holy Ghost along the way, and some may be here today, and you've never received the Holy Ghost. But we all started the same way. I've got my eyes on heaven this morning. Some people want to go to heaven because they don't want to go to hell. But I want to go to heaven. Because that's where Jesus is. Heaven is not about streets of gold and walls of jasper. Heaven is about spending eternity in the presence of God. That's what makes heaven. You could have all of that stuff and not have the Lord there and it wouldn't be heaven. There's a sport called extreme downhill skiing. Obviously something that I've never participated in, but it is out there, okay? And, and apparently people with, with uh, less common sense than some of us 
Start, start at the top of these ski, slo- ski, ski slopes. Y'all thought I was fixing talking tongues. Ski slopes. And they go at breakneck speeds and they have to avoid all the trees. Now it's one thing to ski when it's wide open. But it's a whole new level of lack of brain cells when you ski with everything in the way. And you avoid these trees. Well, they asked this one lady who was apparently one of the best ones at this particular sport. They said, what is the secret to avoiding a crash? This is what she said. I stare at the spaces between the trees. In other words, her eyes were not fixed on what she was trying to avoid. But her eyes were fixed on where she was trying to go. That's why Paul said, looking unto Jesus. Friend, you can look at all the negativity in this world. You can look at a hell we're trying to avoid. Or you can fix your eyes on a prize. My eyes are fixed on Jesus this morning. That's where I'm trying to get. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel preach up in here today. Turn with me to the Gala- uh, Romans 6.13 and Galatians 1 and 10. I give honor to your pastor and his wife and their family, the leadership of this church. Uh, it's hard to believe it's been a year, but it has been a year. But uh, I see a lot of great new faces and old faces. And, and throughout this past year, uh, different things have come your way. And you have bounced back and you have renovated this. You know, a church is not about a building. Church is about people that are filled with the Spirit of God, serving Him together. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. And I applaud you and commend you for your faithfulness to the house of God. And I believe today we're going to leave better than when we came. Romans 6.13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. As those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Yield yourselves unto God. Galatians 1 and 10. Paul says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Just for a little while this morning, I want to preach from this thought. Set free from what they think about me. Set free from what they think about me. Father, we thank you for your word and for your spirit. I thank you for every person that made the trip today to the house of God. Lord, there's going to be some deliverance happen this morning. It's not necessarily going to be seen with the human eye. But it's going to happen in the hearts and the minds of individuals that are in this place today. We have one objective this morning, Jesus, and that is to get closer to you than we've ever been before. That's what we want to happen today. We thank you for what you're going to do. Can we clap our hands and worship God all over this building? your name up today. We glorify you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated this morning, set free from what they think about me. We are living in a society today that has blurred the lines and has established a false standard of what success really is. The pressure from society today to achieve, to perform, to become is greater than it's ever been before. We all have self-esteem. We all have a degree of confidence. We also allow the world, and by speaking of the world, I'm talking about society and our peers, etc., etc., to dictate to us what is success, what is good. How do they do it? Well, the world says that you have to wear this type of clothes to be somebody, or you have to drive this type of car, or you have to live in this type of house, or you have to make this amount of money, and we could go on and on and on, allowing the world to to dictate. In fact, there is a psychological disorder today. It's called FOMO, F-O-M-O. It's, it's the fear of missing out. You want to know where it was started and how they defined it? Facebook. Social media. If you hadn't figured it out yet or not, Facebook is not reality. Okay? Because nobody, nobody, uh, nobody, I haven't seen a preacher yet get on there and say, this is one of the most horrible Sundays we've ever had. Nobody showed up. Singing was horrible. Preaching was horrible. They don't do that. No, they put on there, we had 752, get the Holy Ghost, and all this. They put all the highlights. People put what they want you to think their life is. They put fairy tale. They put best case scenario. And all of this kind of stuff. And so what happens is, people compare their life to this person's life. And it creates a mental anxiety disorder called FOMO, fear of missing out. They're afraid that their life will never live up to what somebody else's life is. They're afraid that they'll, they'll never achieve what somebody else has achieved. And on and on and on we can go. We let society dictate things to us. We let society define us. And there is a study today that says uh, the average 15-year-old today, the stress and the pressure that they deal with is equivalent to a psychiatric patient 50 years ago that had spent a lot of time in the psychiatric unit. The same amount of pressure. The same amount of, uh, of anxiety. I've got to be. I've got to perform. I've got to achieve. I don't want to be a nobody, etc. I remember when, when we got married. I went grocery shopping with my wife. And I I hated grocery shopping then. I hate grocery shopping now. It's like two hours of your life that you spend and you'll never get back. And my my mom and dad, we I had two brothers and we we ate so much food. We would eat eight to ten pieces of toast every morning. We had loaves of bread. Gallons of milk. We went through all kinds of food growing up. And, and, and we always bought certain brands of food. You know, it's kind of like when you get married and your wife starts folding your t-shirts. 
Look, young people, I'm fixing to give you a word that'll help you for the rest of your life, okay? If your wife tells you, how do you like your shirts folded? You just say, however you fold them. Don't say, well, my mama did it like this. How, baby, whatever, however you fold. You want to roll them, roll them. We're good, okay? However you do, you'll remember that one day. And we went grocery shopping, and my wife reached for a can of great value vegetables. And, and, and you know how it is in life that the, the, the longer you're married, the stronger the filter gets between what you think and what you say, okay? Well, I was at that point where the filter wasn't really working just yet, okay? And so I remember looking at her saying, I don't eat great value. Let me tell you what I learned about great value. The more kids you have, the better it tastes. It don't even have to be great value. It could be less value. We eat less value today. I love it. I was in that mental state where I was comparing myself against a brand. And because I never ate this brand, I thought I was above this brand. I'm now, I'm out, I'm on the bottom shelf looking. Y'all got anything way down here? I'll eat that. We got, we all have egos. Let me tell you, if you didn't have an ego, you wouldn't look in a mirror. If you didn't care how you look, you wouldn't ask your spouse, how does this look? That's a loaded question. You wouldn't get, it don't, we all have fragile egos. Here's one thing that I know about people, okay? I've learned this about people. This is nothing spiritual, but it's the truth. It doesn't matter where you go in the world, this will apply to all human beings. There is the size you think you wear, and there is the size you really wear. And oftentimes, neither of the two shall meet. Because one of the hardest things to do for a human being is to admit that I am, I, I require clothing larger than what I think I do. Let me tell you, the fastest way to feel skinny is buy bigger clothes, okay? There's something about pulling up your britches that makes you think you're doing good. But watch how fragile, watch how fragile the human ego is. Clothing people know this. There was a day when if you wore a large, then it didn't matter who made it. It didn't matter what store you bought it from. You didn't even have to try it on because a large was a large. And ladies, if you wore a certain size that ranged between 2 and 25, it didn't matter what size it was. where Who, who bought it or who made it, you just bought it. You didn't have to try it on. You know I'm telling you the truth. But now clothes have changed. And now they have all these different cuts, at least for men. They have all these different cuts of clothing. They have the athletic fit, which I've never shopped. But they have the athletic fit. They have the tailored fit. They have all these types of clothes. And so last year I got a shirt, and it was an extra large because I'm an extra, although I think I'm a medium, my body says I'm an extra large. And so I wear, I always wear an extra large, okay? Well, I put this on and something was weird with the fabric and it did not fit. So I brought it back and, and watch, okay, I'm, I'm fixing to prove a point. I'm coming into home plate. This is how fragile they know the male ego is. I went to buy a 2X with Brother Landon. I didn't have to get a 2X. 
because I got a 2X slim fit. I'm not a 2X. I'm a 2X slim. If you never shout for 2X, those two words do not. There's nothing slim about a 2X. Other than I get to say I'm not a 2X. We we, we have such a self-esteem issue. We worry so much what people think about us. We worry what someone's going to say or how do I look or how does this fit? Because we're living in a society that is driven by pride. The middle letter of sin is I. The middle letter of pride is I. Because it's a selfish generation. It, it, we allow pride in what someone thinks about us to dictate. Let me tell you how selfish and prideful we are as a generation. They put a camera on a phone not so you could take better pictures of somebody else. No, we need, we need a camera so we can take pictures of us. Because we weren't getting them good by having to flip the phone and hit the button. And then they just make better cameras and better. And then, Somebody made a stick. Now, I'm going to tell you right now who made that stick. It was somebody with a double chin. I promise you it was somebody with a double chin. Anytime you see somebody taking pictures like this, oh, yeah, they're hiding double or triple chins, okay? I'm a triple if you hadn't figured that one out. So they got cameras, and now, here's the thing. Now, it's not enough just to take a picture. Now the people, people can put a filter. You could scroll through. I'm not technologically savvy. I saw that hashtag one time, no filter. I'm thinking, what you, no filter? What you smoking something? No filter? But then it applies to pictures. You could, you could take a picture. That's how you really are. But before you let anybody see it, you apply a filter. To hide up everything that you don't like about yourself and about that picture. In essence, here's how I really am. And here's how I want everybody to see me. And that's how we're living in society today. There's who we really are. And then there's how we want everybody to see us and what we want them to think about us. But the beauty of the kingdom of God is this. We don't need a filter in regards to living for God. Because God doesn't care if you had to cross the tracks to get to the cross. God doesn't care where you come from or what you look like or how much baggage you got. What God cares about is filling you with his spirit and helping you walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. We got to get set free this morning from what people think about us. And it's all about Jesus. We live under the umbrella of people's opinion. And it becomes a fence. It becomes a prison. I have found in my travels an overwhelming appreciation in people's hearts. 
for the mercy of God as they relayed to me their stories of conversion. I hear all types of stories. I hear people that were raised in church and they're in, but I've also talked to life and they'll weep as they talk about how good God has been. But I've also talked to people that came in this with no knowledge of who God is and they have the same appreciation because God gives everybody the same chance. God reaches out to whosoever will. Do you remember the time when you came to an old-fashioned altar and you didn't have anything to offer God, but God had everything to offer you? You brought your trash and God gave you His treasure. You got your past and God gave you a future. You brought your shame and God put a smile in your heart. I could take you to a guy from my home church. He didn't know anything about God. He was a barroom brawler. But one day he came and God filled him with his spirit. And he went back to work at the refineries. And if you've never worked at the refineries, then they're not, they're not singing Kumaya and reading scripture, okay? It's a little bit different out there. And he went back and on the front of his hard hat, he put in big letters, Jesus. He was the minority, I promise you, okay? Not everybody walking around with Jesus on the hard hats. And he would go up to people and he'd start telling them about the power of the Holy Ghost and baptism in Jesus' name. And if they didn't want it, then he'd start cussing them and say, meet me in the parking lot. We'll settle this out there after, after work. That's all he knew. That was the world he came from was, was fighting, fisticuffs. And, and finally, one of the guys from church that, went, that worked with him pulled him aside and said, brother so-and-so, you might want to stop cussing them and challenging them to a fight after work. You're kind of ruining your credibility with these people. He said, you think, oh, I'm pretty sure you're ruining your credibility with these people. But all he knew was this is the greatest thing that I've ever experienced in my life. And I want everybody to experience what I experienced. What would happen if we walked out of this place today with the boldness of Peter and John that didn't care what anybody thought about them, but all we cared about was pleasing Jesus Christ? I'll tell you what would happen. We wouldn't be able to hold all the people that came running to an altar. If we got over our pride and we got over our reputation. The Bible says, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. And have been all made to drink into one body. What do you think happened on the day of Pentecost when all of these people were from all different parts but they drank the same drink and they were all baptized into the same body. They all shared the same testimony. And they went out in the streets and everybody said these people are drunk. No. They're not drunk like you think they are. They're drunk from something different. And they don't care what people think about them. The reason people think we're crazy is because they haven't drank the same drink we have. I've heard people that say, I'll never act like that. I'll never be like y'all. you got to watch Brother Never because he has a way of showing back up in your life. And I could take you to the service where I was standing on the, on the floor and the Holy Ghost was moving during the song service. 
And I watched. She was sitting over here on this side. And I looked over there. And I just had a feeling Brother Never was fixing to jump all on this lady over here. And sure enough, she got out of her pew in the middle of song service. And she turned the climb she got to me, got a hold of her. And she started huckabucking across the front. And by the time she got to me, the Holy Ghost fell on her. And she started screaming like a wild banshee. And everything she said I'll never do, she did. Because she got a taste of something that she never had. My friend, it wouldn't hurt you today to make up your mind. I'm going to that altar. And I'm going to taste of this thing. I'm going to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm going to leave changed by the power of God. That's what has to happen in this house. I want you to think with me when you got the Holy Ghost. It was the greatest thing that you ever experienced. I mean, it didn't matter what the preacher said. You were on board. It didn't matter if he said to pray or not to pray. You were going to pray because this was the greatest thing that you ever, you ever experienced. It didn't matter what type of, what time of the service it was. When God said move, you moved. But over time, before you get professional, when you start getting everything figured out, those prison bars start coming into your life. Those prison bars that are stronger than steel and stone and their opinions of what other people think about you. I have seen people that used to dance and used to worship and used to sit on the front row. And I go back to churches several years later and they're either in the middle or in the back or they're gone. Because somewhere along the way, they let what other people thought or think about them determine their response to God. My friend, God never saved us to blend in, but God saved us to stand out. You cannot lead them if you're like them. We're not to be relevant, we're to be radical. We let everybody determine what we're going to do. We come to a service and we're looking around. We don't want to get out of order at all. I've been to so many churches that are they're, they're so in order. I want to go to one that's out of order. I want to go to one where people don't care what people think about them. They just know when God says to move, we move. Let me tell you, we got to get radical in our response to God. When God starts moving in your heart, you respond to the Spirit. The Bible says quench not the Spirit. I promise you, if you, if God started tugging you in the middle of a sermon, a pastor's not going to tell you to go back and sit down. He's going to let you just yield to God. The Bible says, do I please men or do I please God? If I yet please men, I cannot be the servant of Christ. There's no way you can live your life trying to please men on this side and please God on that side. Either you're going to do one or you're going to do the other. There's people today that literally have not responded to God yet because they're worried what people are going to think. Let me tell you, you're not in the presence today of people that will judge. You're in the presence today of people that will help you get closer to God. In case you hadn't figured it out yet, everybody in the building is acquainted with problems. We've all got them. And we're masters of fig leaves and false identities. Because we don't want people to know everything that we've got and all the things that we struggle with. But God sees it all. And we're, we're, we're on, a, on a journey today to get closer to Jesus Christ. And we've got to get to that point where we respond to the moving of the Spirit. We respond. I remember one service I was in. I was standing over here 
on this side. I was just me and God doing our thing. I'm worshiping during song service. And the Lord spoke to me about a, a guy all the way on the other side, tell that, who apparently looking at him, he's, he lived a hard life. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go tell that boy that I love him. And I'm like, hold up a minute. Hold up, that ain't even that ain't even a real word from God. I gotta tell him what he did yesterday, God. I gotta tell him what he ate for breakfast. I need to give him a real word from God. And so I'm over here just kind of moving aside. The Lord spoke to me again, said, I want you to go tell that boy over there that I love him. So me and God get into this little little talk over here while everybody else is singing and and I'm trying to worship it in my spirit. I'm talking to God. Finally I said, Okay, God, I'll uh I mean it's the middle of song service, you know. And I said, I tell you what, I don't want to attract attention. So I I started just worshiping my way over that side of the building, you know. And when I got to him, I said, I tried to make it as spiritual as I could, make it sound like a real word from God, you know. I was like, man, I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you that he loves you. That's all I had. I mean, if he was wanting something else, that was it. I had. That's all I had. And he looked at me, and his eyes got as big as saucers, and tears welled up in him. He said, man... I've been standing over here this whole time asking God to let me know if he loves me. And I could have missed what God was trying to do in someone's life because I was so worried what somebody was going to think. you got to get over what people think about you. What matters this morning is your relationship with God. What matters today is getting rid of all of those mental barriers and saying, God, I want to get closer to you than I've ever been before. Don't let your reputation dictate your habitation. Because you can let what people think about you dictate where you dwell spiritually. Your reputation. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. If you're going to live for God, the first thing that has to go is your reputation. You can't worry what people think about you. Because as long as you worry what somebody's going to say or what somebody's going to think, that it keeps you in a box spiritually. And you cannot walk in true liberty. There was a man that came to Jesus, the rich young ruler. And he had all types of possessions. And he said, Father, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus said, well, you know, you got to keep all these commandments. And he said, I've done all of them. Okay. Now let's deal with a mental deal. Sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. Jesus didn't care about all of his earthly goods. Jesus wasn't saying, if you're going to live for me, you got to be a pauper. It's not what he was saying. He was dealing with the mindset. And he was trying to see, are you more worried about your status with men? Or are you more worried about your status with me? If you're worried about your reputation with men, there's no way you can follow me. Because Jesus said, whosoever cometh after me, let him first deny himself. You're going to live for God. You've got to get self out of the way. If you're going to come to an altar, the first thing that has to happen is you've got to get self out of the way. In fact, God said in the Old Testament, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves, that's first. That's humility. That's putting pride on an altar. 
Then you come to me. And the reason we struggle today with breaking through in the spirit and entering those dimensions that God wants us to enter is because we're so worried what people think. We're so worried what people are going to say. We're so worried that someone's going to cast a premature judgment. You hear what I'm fixing to tell you. I would rather have the approval of God than the acceptance of men. Let men turn their back on me. If I can just get to Jesus, I know everything's going to be all right. If I can just get to Jesus, he can deal with my past. He can deal with my problems. He can deal with everything. Musicians, come. Set free. Stand with me all over this building. Set free from what they think about me. What needs to happen this morning is every single person in the building, every single person needs to get on the same mindset, needs to get on the same page, and that is this. I want Brother Landon to get a touch from God just as much as I want to get a touch from God. I want one of these young people to get a touch from God just as much as I. I want the person all the way in the back to get a touch from God just as much as I want the person on the front to get a touch from God. What is that? That's removing all preferences out of your mind. Because when we want somebody else to get a move of God in their life just as much as we do, we're bringing everything into agreement. God wants to touch every person in this building today. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you're going through right now. Makes no difference to God if you have the Holy Ghost or you don't have the Holy Ghost. Doesn't matter. What matters today is that you get closer to God than you've ever been before. It's bowed and eyes closed all over this building. Nobody looking around, please, out of respect to the person next to you. I'm going to ask two questions this morning. Nobody's looking around. If you're here today, you say, Preacher, I've never had or experienced the Spirit of God coming into my life like you spoke about and like the Bible talks about in the book of Acts. I've never experienced it. In my life, but I believe it's real. Nobody's looking around. This is honesty time right now. All I want you to do is put one hand in the air right now. All over this building. Thank you so much. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. This is between you and God. Nobody looking around. Keep your hand up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is between you and God today. This is not between you and anybody else. This is honesty before God. Honesty before God. The first thing to receiving something from God is you have to get honest. You have to get honest. Nobody's judging anybody. Nobody's looking around. This is you and the Lord today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now put your hands down with your eyes closed. Nobody looking around. I fixed to ask another question, and I think this should be every hand in the building if you're here today. And you say, you know what, preacher? There's been times I've struggled in my walk with God. There's been times where I was dry in my spirit. There's been times where I came to church out of obligation, but I really didn't feel like it. And there's also been times that I was worried what people thought about me and that dictated my response to God. But what matters today is is I want a touch of God this morning. I want to come to that altar and receive a special touch from God today. Maybe you want to pray back through the Holy Ghost. Maybe you want to get stirred in your spirit again and walk out of here with a boldness like you've never walked with before. 
That should be every hand in the building. Why don't you raise your hand if you want a fresh touch of God this morning? Jesus, there's people going to leave the dog begin to hear you. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. There's people going to leave today different than when they came. There's people that's going to leave today closer to God than they've ever been before. That's it. Reach out to God this morning. Reach out to God. Lord, I want a fresh touch today. Lord, I want a fresh touch today. Set me free from what they think about me. And let me walk just pleasing you, Jesus. Come on, if you raise your hand saying, I want a fresh touch, why don't you step out of your pew right now all over this building? I would get to this altar as fast as I could. There is a call from the Spirit this morning. There's a call from the Spirit. I want to I get closer to God today. 